Hello and welcome to the CrossFit Harry Podcast, episode 62. Today we have Sam who joins us. Um, hello, Sam. Hi. Good to have you. Um, Sam, first question I always ask uh, everyone when they come is onto the podcast is what brought you to, to CrossFit Harrow? Uh, CrossFit Harrow, uh, I was just getting bored, to be honest. I've, I don't know, I've been training since I was 16, so about 15, 15 years. And I was just bored. Yeah. I was in the gym, I was following programs, but just wasn't that fun. I was doing it because I, I still enjoy working out, but it's different when you're doing it on your own. I'd done CrossFit a couple of years ago, so I knew I kind of liked the format of it. Uh, and my wife's sister's boyfriend uh, works in a CrossFit gym down in South East London in Peckham. Uh, and we'd go there and have occasional classes whenever we were down visiting a family. And uh, had you tried that? To you, that's where you Yeah, tried yeah, it. and just, it was seeing them and their friends are, their friends from the gym. They do things with them, that kind of thing. And I, I only moved to South Ryslip two years ago, two and a half years ago. And I just hadn't felt like I put out any kind of roots or anything. So this was kind of, I'm quite a shy person. So just going to a regular gym, I don't, I don't talk to people. I'll put like earphones in, head down, just get on with my training. But this was kind of, a, I enjoy the training. I enjoy the training. I like being told what to do, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, and not having to think about it. Uh, and yeah. It gives you kind of that like <clears throat> stepping stone every kind of like part of the workout, you've got something to focus on as opposed to kind of just turning up and going, I, I might do a couple of sets here, I might do a couple oh, of sets exactly. I, I'm, I'm notorious for it. So if I, if I took any of the CrossFit workouts home, doing myself, get about halfway through and be like, I've worked hard enough. <laughs> that, that's gonna have elicited a change in my body, that'll do. And I won't push myself, but I will make sure I turn up. So to turn up and be like made, not made to do it, but you, you know what I mean? You've, you've, you've given, like you've got one foot in the door, you're there, you, you know, you want, you want to get the best hour, right? Yeah, no, exactly. And I mean, again, that was one of the benefits of CrossFit is you, you're coached the whole time. I've, I've been fortunate enough to have like strength and conditioning coaches at several points through my life. Was that through your own choice and development or was that through like work, education, kind of pathway that you used to take? Bit of both. So I sort of played rugby through secondary school. We were quite good, kind of strength and conditioning. Not not program necessarily, but we'd like meet up before school three times a week, run sprints, do whatever. And I'd turn up to it. And as long as there was someone else there, I'd push myself much harder. Because if I have someone watching, then I won't stop. Yeah. Whereas if I'm on my own, I definitely will. Yeah. So I've always had that. And then when I got to university, I played American football. Oh wow. Uh, and uh, we were quite good at my university team so we were on like the elite program within the university because we won national championships and things like that and so the best trainers at the university would take us separately and we'd get like personalised programmes and personalised sessions and so we'd have all that to kind of go through and that, that would be quite an, I would suggest it's not suggest I would say that would be quite a good experience amazing experience playing American football at, at, at university? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I'm not the most academic person in the world. Uh, I kind of treated my university time as pretending to be a professional athlete. I went there to study sports science and I'd switch off halfway through because they go, 
all right, so if we're talking about athletes doing this, then if you want to do this, then you've got to do this, and then I'd stop listening. Because I just want to know what I've got to do to get the result yeah, I want, yeah. and then they'll explain the whole scientific process behind it, but I'm already gone. You're already I'm, prepared to do the work without knowing what's involved, you just want to know how to get there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but then because I wouldn't learn the scientific processes behind why that's happening, I was a terrible student, but I'd use it in my training and become a much better athlete. Yeah. Uh, so you would have had a bit of, quite a lot of free time as such to, to invest in training. No, exactly. So uh, everything was based around food, sleep, eat. That, you, that was it. Did you look at food like proteins, fats, carbs you needed? I, that- I did. Like we did nutrition courses, but I mean, I was, I was quite a skinny, well, I was a really skinny teenager. So by the time I was kind of sort of 19, 20, I just needed to put weight on. I was in the gym, I was tall, and I was playing a certain position where you need to be big. So the whole time was... American football. Yeah, well, the same in rugby as well, to be fair. But my nutrition through school was terrible. I, I just wouldn't eat. Like, it was but is that not, is that, Do you not think that's a kid's thing? Like, you've kind of got opposite ends as children. You've either got those children that eat a lot, and you've got the kids that kind of just don't really eat, but just are so active. Yeah, I just never, never thought about it. Like, when I was young, young, too busy running around to think about oh, I'm hungry but then when I was a teenager it was just, I mean you're stupid yeah. looking, looking back on it because you're like no wonder I wasn't focused in school no wonder I wasn't as good at the sports I was playing as I should have been it'd be 8 o'clock in the morning I, I know waiting for, for the bus you'd go and get a, Lucozade, a fizzy Lucozade in a Mars bar that, that's, yeah. what, that's what I and, and maybe sometimes I'd replace the, milk, the Lucozade with milk yeah. that was and a Mars bar before, before school yeah so, but, yeah, so that was Awful. I kind of started getting an idea about it when I was in sixth form, taking my rugby a bit more seriously. Um, Do you think that was because of the resource available? Or? I think so, because again, I was studying uh, kind of physical education as one of my A-levels. So you kind of pick things up and you're like, oh, of yeah. course, this makes sense now. Because I mean, we always ate well at my house, uh, kind of healthy food, a lot of vegetables. But I just, I just completely missed lunch and my breakfast was terrible. Is sport big in your household? Or fitness? Kind of. So my dad, my dad liked sport and kind of I followed him. I watched him play football and cricket when he was still able to play. Uh, so that's what I played to start off with. And then I went to a school that didn't play football, so I had to play rugby and moved on from there. But he'd take me down to watch football games. We'd go and watch rugby games. Uh, we'd play cricket together as well and kind of like a old village team. It was really good fun. Uh, but... And I've got three older sisters, okay. one of which kind of likes sport, one of which will kind of watch sport and the other one hates it. And my mum never liked yeah. any kind of physical fitness or anything like that. Although she's starting to cycle now. So that's well, nice. yeah, that, I mean, that's a positive. Um, slowly, she's slowly getting into it. Um, with the, uh, the American football, um, were you travelling around the UK? Did you ever go out? you know, in, in different parts? Did you go to the US? Did you play? So I, ne- I never made it to the US. Um, was that a thing? Like you made like... So I, some people have done it kind of from the American football community in, in the UK and it's kind of quite closely followed. It's, kind of, it's a small, close-knit community so everyone kind of knows who's making it, who's not. Uh, but I was lucky enough to play for Great Britain Oh wow! Uh, in the 2013 European Championships. So we went over to Italy for wow. about 10 days uh, and played there which was amazing and then I played over in Finland and Sweden as well. Were these like tours, oh, apart from the championship, were the other tours? Uh, so the other ones were with the Great Britain students team. Okay. So they just, had one, they just had one-off games. 
So yeah, and then kind of American football in Europe, you've got kind of Austria and Germany who are quite well, very good. And then you've got the Scandinavian teams and they all have kind of like semi-pro like league teams. Uh, which I had signed for one in my final year of uni. So I was going to finish uni, go off and kind of earn and play and travel around Scandinavia for a summer. Uh, but I got injured literally on my final game at university. So I, I had to miss it. What, what, what was the injury? I tore my pec oh, wow. off the bone. That would, that's, that, that's a nasty injury. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah, um, that, that actually happened quite a lot. I don't know if you know. Uh, in the CrossFit, I, well, I can't remember what year, maybe one of the CrossFit games, maybe two or three years ago, they were doing uh, ring, high, ring dips from quite high or muscle up or something, and uh, a lot of them were tearing their pecs. It was putting a lot of people out. Gives you a nice bruise, though. Yeah, I could imagine. Um, how long did that knock you back? Uh, a lot longer than it should have done. Um, I got a surgery fairly quickly, um, gone to, but because of the timing with the end of my university, because I was moving back home from Birmingham back down to Reading, the like NHS physio didn't get transferred. Right. So like, yeah, yeah, it's all sorted for you. As soon as you get down there, you're gonna get a letter. It's all gonna get sorted out. So I was doing my physio. I got down back to Reading and just didn't didn't hear anything. Just trying to chase it up, and they're like, oh, we'll just look into it. And then it was another couple of months later, and I was like, no, seriously, I need to be doing something. And then they're like, all right, we'll start the referral process now. So it was again like six weeks from that point. Right. So it was about a four or five month period where I was watching stuff on, online and stuff, but everything I was seeing was like strong men and bodybuilders and... Just not your everyday kind of person. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of them were kind of on yeah. the gear a little bit yeah. by the looks of it, because they were about kind of, they were doing yeah, things that I was told like 10 weeks down the line, they were doing it day two. Yeah. And I was like, okay, Very I'm not strong. gonna push myself that far. Five foot, 100 kilos, can do anything and everything. Yeah, so I, I put my shoulder into a pretty, bad position and like the muscles and stuff and it's all healed badly and I've done a fair bit of physio since but not not enough to properly really fix it but then like the next year I was obviously trying to get back into my American football and pushing it in the gym and I tore it again but not completely this time. Well I was going to ask that that injury obviously knowing that you were going to sign for the Scandinavian team did that injury have any psychological effects that that year? Oh yeah I was in I was in a terrible place uh because I'd put off, I'd, I'd known a bunch of people I'd played with through the Great Britain team and all that kind of thing. I'd gone and done it like the years before, like between university years. But I was like, I don't want to do that between university years. I want to do it as a finishing thing. And it was going to be like a... Like a send, send off, sign off kind of thing. Yeah, kind of. And just, just to see where I can get the level of my game to. This is a personal target, personal kind of uh, thing against yourself. Right? Yeah, and it was a bit of a status thing as well yeah. to be able to say... Yeah, I played semi-pro ball yeah, yeah. in Europe. Yeah, but it just—it wasn't to be. Uh, yeah, no, it, it did. So, w- w- why did you choose American football? Because you got—you'd gone from playing rugby. So I had my my best friend at secondary school had spent some time over in America when he was much younger. So he knew American football and he played the video games. And. I, being teenagers we played video games together yeah I struggle to I, like I kind of understand it now but sometimes I don't <laughs> I learned the whole thing through the video game did you yeah, yeah I played it like religiously from 2004 but yeah just got madly into the video game he'd joined the local team it wasn't that local 
I mean, it's local for American football, but, yeah, like, yeah, but not like, yeah. like rugby and school there, things. There aren't a lot I've to it. There's, there's not a lot around. I think like round here, I think they're actually, I think maybe Wembley. There's one team, yeah, and then there's not one for a long, for yeah, a long distance. Yeah, no, they're, they're few and far between, uh, but growing. But yeah, so we would we'd drive down. I'd join them in sixth form. I went down and played with them as well. So I played both. And when I got to university, I signed up to both teams. But it was the it was the atmosphere, kind of university rugby's got this whole culture behind it that I'm just not the biggest fan of. And a lot yeah. of it was a status thing. So the first things they're asking you is, all right, what school did you play for? Like taking all your details, like height, weight, all this kind of stuff, and pretty much being like, oh yeah, you, you're probably not good enough for this team. Whereas the American football team, because it's a niche sport, they're like, we want everyone. Yeah. They're really friendly, really welcoming. They wanted everyone there. So I was just like, it's just nice to be in there. So I went and did the trials for both. And the rugby team was, well, it was amateurish. It was run by the senior guys who were just picking their mates and who went to the same schools that their mates went to and all this kind of stuff. And they weren't watching the game. Uh, Which is a shame because there's probably a lot of lost talent there. Well, yeah, I mean... Not, I mean, to blow my own trumpet entirely. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, I'd just come off the back of a, we'd done a rugby, my school had done a rugby tour to New Zealand on my final summer. So I, I'd been training non-stop for about two years for this, this and we were playing like, pretty decent sides over in New Zealand who were phenomenal, yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. killed us. But I was in the best shape of my life. Turned up to the practice game and I scored two tries. And they were like, no, nah, we've already got someone in your position. And I was just like, is that it? Is that all I'm going to get? And after, then, after, after two years of like consistently turn up every day. Yeah, like rugby was, it was everything to me at that time. But then the American football, the setup at the Birmingham University is very professional. Like they pay their coach, the university pays the coach through the sports funds. I don't know how it yeah. works. But everything was timed coaches were going around you had coach for about five people to one coach which I'd never seen before because rugby was just like one coach for everyone it's like a 30 man squad right oh we had about 75 wow. in that team but yeah like professional teams I think yeah, yeah. 45 43 but all the training sessions were timed down to the minute right they'd blow a whistle everyone would move down to the next bit and I was like oh wow this is pretty cool feels feels professional and luckily those coaches were very good. Those coaches were associated with the Great Britain team, which is how I kind of oh, okay. made that now, transition. Now, yeah, okay. yeah. But yeah, just, just the culture of it. I do miss, I miss the game of rugby. I don't miss the culture of rugby. Yeah, it's a very strong boyish alpha male. Yeah, I, I tried going back to play it a couple of years ago and you turn up on a Sunday, I'm like, yeah, nice and relaxed. Like, there's no prizes here, so let's just have a nice game of rugby and go home. People start throwing punches. I'm just, I've got to go to work tomorrow. Yeah. What, what's the point in this? Turn up to work. I had a rugby match yesterday. Got yeah. Black eye. So it's just not, not me. Um, so when, so you, obviously American football, is that something that you, you're still, still playing now? Or, or no, no. That was done. Okay, so from, from tearing my pec, I tried coming back. Just demands of the sport. I wasn't as good as I was in my head or how I was before. So to know I'm not doing what I'm capable of doing yeah. frustrated me. And I know I could go and play a kind of a lower level, even in this country. 
and play well, it was I just wasn't enjoying it anymore. Just because yeah, I, I, I feel like the time had passed. And sometimes that's a sensible decision. I think a lot of people tend to just stick at something because they're, they're, they're comfortable with it. Mm. Um, but equally, if you know that it's not probably benefiting you or you're not going to uh, maybe not enjoy it as much and it's not going to challenge you, then sometimes that we have to lo- like lose that social side of things to, mm. to progress elsewhere. And it's, it's definitely just turned into enjoyment. That's, that's what any exercise has got to be yeah, for yeah. me. And do you, do you look it? for that? Like, is that purely now with having done all the stuff that you've done with rugby and American football? Is that kind of what you're after? You just enjoy enjoy your sessions. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think last last couple of years, it's just been kind of you know you're turning you're just about to turn thirty. You're probably not going to get your uh, professional football contract anytime soon. But people do. <laughs> people hang on to that. You're like, well, you're not 21 anymore. You're not 19. Yeah. But then I was still I was still doing the training because I was used to that training. I've been doing that training for kind of eight, nine years. But I was like, why am I doing this? I don't, like, there's no, what's the difference between being able to bench this weight and bench this weight in real life? It's like, I don't get enjoyment from it. It's, it's very just a lot of hard work. Very interesting that you say that because a lot of people can't separate themselves from that, of what they were pre-injury, you know, or pre, even the example of now, like pre-COVID, dare I say it, that their fitness condition of, of what they were then to what they are now, like that was a certain time of your life, mm. you know, and sometimes we have to kind of be accountable and go, right, that was me, I'm going to let go of that now, put that in the past, and I'm going to just enjoy myself or work on something different or... Because I tried doing that post, post-injury, post I was like, everything's a new PB, yeah. don't worry about what you used to be able to do, but you always think about it. And then it's I, like the I just things to do. It really just, I was trying really hard, I was like, right, I'm taking this seriously. I'm still gymming the same amount of times, but I'm growing up. You feel stronger just being a little bit older. But I just like I'm not touching numbers I used to touch. And and really, why would like you know why would why would someone be touching the, like those numbers? There, there's it's a different. You're in a not necessarily a different environment, but you're a different uh, headspace. Mm. Um, your life's kind of different. You've got different responsibilities. Uh, you know. You know, whether you're at uni or you're 18 or you know early 20s, like you're not having to meet the demands of what your job might be now or what your family life's like and stuff like that. That's very interesting that you say that. Yeah, because I mean, it always annoys me when people say they don't have time for things. Everyone's everyone's got time for anything they want to make time for. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Luckily, I have a lot of free-ish time because of my shift pattern. But you pick what you want to do. You've got to enjoy what you, you're doing, otherwise you're not going to do it and sustain it and any kind of health and fitness goals is, is pointless. Yeah, yeah, that's very interesting that you say that. I, 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 I could go on about this all day, I think, I, I, and we've said it you know, in a lot of the podcasts that we see, that we do when we talk to individuals and the ones that I used to do about a certain t- subject, the kind of message and even that we try to encourage is like, you have to find happiness in what you're doing. Because if you don't, you're, you're not going to stick to it. Yeah, it's the only sustainable part of it. Yeah. Because I've, I've seen, and I work with people that go on diets for a month, they lose loads of weight, they're like, oh yeah, feeling really good about it. And you're like, all right, that might be enough to get them to carry on doing it. And they don't, they don't enjoy the process of it. Yeah. And they're not making sustainable changes to their diet. They're going on a crash diet. Whereas if they kind of brought it down a little bit, they might not lose as much weight as quickly. But yeah. over the long run, it's sustainable. But I think it's the happiness element to anything, like even your job. You know, if you're not if you're not enjoying your job, then maybe it's something that you need to reconsider and, and search for happiness in something that you do. Yeah, and I, I think that's something I've always done as well. I, 
until my current job, I'd never had a job for more than a year. Because I'd know within the first month or so, I hate this. Yeah. It's not for me. What, what I can't does, see a future um, in this. What, what did, so what, uh, that was one of the things I wanted to get onto of, of kind of career-wise that, you know, um, when, when you left uni, what, what did that look like work-wise? Did you, because you're obviously doing a sports science degree, did, did you get into, into anything in that way? I, I did my sports science degree because I, I wanted to become a teacher, okay. a primary school teacher. So I was just like, pick anything, you just need a degree, what do you enjoy, you enjoy sport, do sports science. Terrible reason. <laughs> Hated it. You, yeah, like we said with everything else, if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to do it. So I did it, it took me five years rather than three, I ended up changing courses in between. So I actually have a degree in sports physical education and coaching science, okay. which is like the downgrade from the sports science but it's more practical more, so yeah. I, I should have in theory done that from the beginning and I think I would have been much happier so then I didn't want to jump straight onto a PGCE because there's tons of different ways to get into teaching I wanted to be sure that that's what I wanted to do because I had so many like mishaps with my degree I was like takes your time think about it so I went and worked in a school loved it being in a classroom bunch of kids hilarious and this is primary primary school I went back to the primary school I went to. Oh, wow. So I, I that, was, that was really nice. There was yeah. a few teachers still there that, that kind of knew my family. Uh, so that was nice, but kind of familiar environment as well. The in-classroom stuff was amazing. But it was talking to the teachers, everything they have to do outside of it, because I still got to just go home at the end of it. They're like, all right, we've got another four hours of planning and we have to fill out this paperwork and that paperwork. And I was just like, that's not me. Yeah. I, can't, I can't do that. Don't miss it. So from there, uh, I was just like, right, that's put a spanner in the works. That's what I've been thinking for the last like, five, that, six So that made years. you reconsider your... Yeah, work. yeah, that was it. No, I wasn't going to do it. So I had to think of something else. So then I went and drove ambulances for a year and a half. Which how did you get... Was that... How did you find that? Or is that just something that you wanted to... Like, did you search for a part-time job or full-time job? I mean, I was, I was searching anything. Um, I kind of always wanted to, you know, like, teacher, public service, all that kind of thing. It was always in my mind because I was like, I don't want to sit in an office. Just hated the idea of it. Have, so you, d have you done it at all? I mean, kind of. I had one summer job where I was um, trying to get kids to sign up for, you ever heard of NCS? Oh, National yeah. Citizen yeah, Service? Yeah, yeah. So, NCS with the challenge and I was there and you'd go into school and do presentations and stuff like that so that was most of it but you would sit there at a computer on the phone for trying to organize two or three days a week which I think I think every kid growing up as or you know every well now adult growing up has kind of done some form of office job to, to try it and I would say a lot don't enjoy it and some so there's only a very small amount that are fortunate enough to get out of it yeah and again I think it's, it's, it's priorities do you want to get a job that can sustain your lifestyle and is that enough for you or do you want a job that you love that not becomes your lifestyle but is a much bigger factor in it because you're not going to get the money that you get from the other one and as a, as a payoff and I've seen people go either way and be very happy so it's, it's always yeah, down there to isn't the individual right or wrong. I think different personality types definitely suit different roles but I knew for me I, I couldn't do it my day to day happiness was more important to me so I wanted to do something where I'd come home and be like, you made a difference today. Yeah, You've done something to someone's life, they're better off because of it. So then I was looking at, so it was in the Red Cross, 
that I was doing the ambulance driving through. And the training course, that was great fun. Learning how to drive an ambulance, great fun. But some of the stuff you go to is not, not something I could deal with all the time. So again, like a couple months into that, I was like, all right, not loving yeah, this. I would imagine that some of your calls that you had received would have been almost questionable. Yeah, and, and, and for not, not always the obvious reason, like so much of it's crap. Like you turn up and someone's just like, all right, so you're gonna get us to the front of the queue at A&E? It's like, we're not a taxi service. Or you're driving them to the hospital and their partner's driving in a car behind and they just walk onto the back of the ambulance. They could, they could have just, why don't you just get in the car? <laughs> So that, that was frustrating, and then you do go through the more serious stuff, and obviously it's, it's, it's difficult for other reasons, but, yeah, it's a, I don't understand. Well, they, they have a massive burnout rate in that, and I fully understand that the friends I know from it, they've either gotten more well-trained or they've quit. Yeah, uh, we've had paramedics here in the past. I think they've given similar examples of calls and things that, that happen. Um, so that was a year and a half done that and you obviously didn't enjoy that anymore and kind of reassessed again yeah yeah so that was when me and my now wife moved because we were still living in Reading at that point from the school to the ambulances but she had been commuting to London the whole time so we're like all right we've done it this way around let's do it the other way around so bought a flat in South Ryslip and I was commuting I was like this isn't this isn't fun either so that, that really gave me the impetus to leave that last job. But I couldn't think of anything else to do. And then I saw London Fire Brigade was recruiting, which I'd looked at before, but you needed to have had a London postcode to do it, but recently changed. So I was like, brilliant. Went for that. But it's like, it took about 14 months for that process what to go it, through. Wow, what does that process look like? So same as anything, application cover letter, send that off get through that you have to do a maths english and science online test is it like tough it was yeah. like i'd done maths science a levels and stuff so i thought i was like oh this is going to be like gcse really simple stuff but the time constraints on it like they don't it's not they don't want you to get 100 they just want to see what you're going to do seeing the clock go down and see how you're doing under pressure and all that kind of stuff so did that past that then you go to do the interview day which is you redo those tests to make sure that you were the same person that was doing them online the exact same test yeah exact same test uh, I would have probably given two different scores oh, <laughs> <laughs> completely two different scores I, I wonder what their like acceptance level is because I think most people would get different scores but yeah it would be very, very strange to see who the people did, get other people to do their online tests for them <laughs> uh, but you do interview for an hour with two on-station firefighters you kind of go through their main points like all the questions you can find online and like forums and stuff so that's that very straightforward and then you do a not like a it's like a what's it called like a role play okay so they tell you about the role play they give you a sheet of paper and you're like okay we're going to go into a room pretend this is going on you walk into a room they've got a paid actor fully trying to sell it and you're just What's going on? You're stood in the middle of this room and there's four people around the edge of the room with Notepad. kind of notepads seeing how you're reacting to it. And it's all just a bit surreal. So I was kind of like half smiling, half laughing, <laughs> being like, is this really happening? As this woman's crying about her son that's trapped in a car and I've got to try and calm her down. So you do wow. two, two of those scenarios, which is 
fun. So j- just empty room, no like fake car or anything like that. It's Nothing. Just, woman, just you and the, this, the, this woman in the and, middle and of the room. The four um, people on their notepads. Yeah. So you do that, and then how, you... how did you find that? How did you like? Did you find that you could get into that role play? I felt like they just want to see you be calm and kind of try and resolve the situation without promising anything or guaranteeing things. So it's just look, we're doing everything we can best people are working on it you need to just look after yourself right now and just make sure that you're okay all that kind of stuff and you're just like I have no idea what's going on because I don't know what our policies are or anything so you're just saying what comes, comes to mind yeah and I, I, the ambience work helped a lot I think for that those, those role plays because you dealt with kind of like yeah, I, stressed out people I've, uh, I don't know where I've seen this or read but they in, in, in your line of work they say not to, to promise anything because no. you, you can't obviously you can't promise you it. don't know yeah and that's often something that has, has happened uh, I think I might have read that that in this, in this situation someone had promised everything would be okay and, mm. and it wasn't yeah I think yeah, more so medical things not, not so much now but yeah I mean you, you know not to do it just because you have no control over it we're doing everything we can. You can promise that because you're in control of that. Yeah, you're, you're doing everything yeah. we can. Yeah. But, yeah, anything beyond that, you're a bit silly if you're doing it. So, is that like, do you, is that pass or fail as soon as you do that role play? No, no, so from that, then you go and do a group exercise. So, because there's about 10 of you doing it, so then you, they put five of you together, get you to, I think we have to make like a Jenga tower. But everyone's got different roles and it's seeing how you work as a team. And that can also be quite hard and maybe frustrating yeah kind of yeah, yeah, yeah because you always get the loud one that feels like oh yeah I know if, how if I'm loud it. I'm gonna look great I'd I'd spoken to a lot of friends and it's kind of their interview processes and all this kind of stuff and I was like I, found, I think I found a niche here so we were given a task we were given a time limit as soon as it starts everyone's jumping in on all the gear and I was like I'll keep the time so I've given myself an important role I'm like guys you've got five minutes so I'm keeping everyone going, and I I didn't do anything. I just looked at my watch, and it seemed to work. Wow, a lot. I mean, I wouldn't have thought of that. I would have probably been someone to be like, "What do you think we should do? Is this the best course of action?" Yeah. To sit back and to sit back and um, time watch. Yeah. Essentially, well, you do need something. So it's take... a vital part of the yeah, task. Yeah, yeah. So you got to complete in the time limit. Yeah. Did you get any feedback on that? No, none at all. Because then, then there, was, there was like radio silence for about five months after that. Didn't hear if you pass or fail. Just nothing. And then you get a phone call in the middle of the day going like, oh yeah, we'd just like to process you through uh, into the next phase. It's like, oh, brilliant. Okay. Wasn't really expecting anything, but... Had you kind of written it off? Kind of. It's one of the things I kept on looking, I kept on looking, and then you don't think of it for a while, and you're like, I haven't heard no yet, but I haven't heard yes. But like, after the process, you realise it's just one one person in charge of the whole recruiting process it seems it was only one person that you talked to on the interview days who was kind of running the whole thing so it must have been well because they go through like uh, recruitment freezes all the time in the fire brigade so I, I guess they don't have a massive department yeah. all the time but they're doing a, a big intake at this time so yeah there's uh, three or four four and five months uh, till we heard from that and then you go and do the physical day how, I mean, with your background with sport, are you feeling pretty confident with that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, was, I, was, I was quite heavy at this point. Okay. Because I'd, I'd kept my eating habits from pre-shoulder injury and not kept the training habits for a while. And sitting on an ambience, you're, 
diet is terrible. You just get sandwiches from shops and you eat when you can and then you starve and then you go and just binge on something else because you're so hungry. So I'd, I'd put on a bit of weight. Uh, so it was a bit of a, okay, get ready for this. Oh, you got three weeks, brilliant. It's not going to be enough time. A lot of time not not enough time yeah. to really change anything. So you've got to kind of ride the coattails and hope that everything's good enough. Uh, so the physical test, what, you know, is it very, very physical? Because I know that, like, for example, in the police force, they've been given a bit of stick for their... Um, I'm doing the bleep test to level five. Fitness test, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, ours is better than theirs. <laughs> no, no competition. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, so we turn up and we do six tasks, uh, one of which is uh, you have to put together a piece of equipment. They've got pictures of it. It's labelled. These are the steps. You've got to take it all apart, put it all together. And if you do anything wrong, they just tell you which picture you've got to go back to. Okay. But it's, I, think, I don't know if it's worth to see you working with your hands or under tight. Like you have to do it pretty quickly, but you're just looking at the picture after. Like you're tightening something, looking on the next picture, getting the next bit ready. And Are you against other people doing this? No, no, you'll, you'll do that on your own in a room. So that was one of them. One of them was a, a body drag. So we got like dummies. I think it was a 70, they, 70 kilo dummy that you had to walk, draw, drag. And a dead weight like that is quite heavy. Yeah. But some, something like that, American football would really help. Yeah. Because you're pushing yeah. and pulling. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, walking backwards. I'd, I'd done that before, just dragging it. As long as you've got good grip strength, it was fine. Uh, so that was the other one. It was two. Ladder climb. So you have to climb the ladder, make sure you're not scared of heights. And you've got to do what's called a leg lock which they teach you how to do at the bottom. You put your leg through, lock it in, and then you let go and you have to lean back and look down to the ground and shout out. They have like a clipboard with a number on. Is or a letter. On the, on the ladder? Yeah. Wow. So you're doing that, you're looking down, you're about three stories up, look down, you have to read out what's on their clipboard just to show that you're confident with your heights and then you just come back down. That's it. So that's three. Then you've got the, uh, it's, like, it's like a barbell raise. So it's to make sure that you can take the ladder off the truck. So you have to be able to get a 30 kilo weight to a certain height, which for me was about here. So it would have been five times that. It says there, like you had people like full extension on tiptoes trying to get it up and all this kind of stuff. I needed a little yellow just, pages. Just there. <laughs> uh, so that was fine. And then you had a rat run. So you had to put on a mask. It's like a cage, cage sized, I don't really know. Uh, two levels of it. It's like a little maze thing. You go through it down like another like level. An air vent kind of thing. Yeah, 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 kind of like that. But it, it's all grating. So you get through that, and then you get to the end, and they're like, right, cover your mask, put something over it, and you got to make your way back without being on, able to see memory. anything. Or like feel. Feel. So you got you got you got the gear on. You got all the gear on. So I was there just banging away at this thing, trying to find where the gap was in this fence. Uh, and yeah, you, so that's, that's all timed and stuff. So that was. I don't know, that's kind of like the confined spaces training. A lot uh, of people would struggle with that. Yeah, yeah, it was, I was not comfortable with it at all. No. It was having, just having something on my face. I didn't mind the rest of it, like going through the tunnel and stuff. Which, but ironically, the last 12 months, everyone with a face mask has got very comfortable with that. Well, not everyone, but well, yeah, 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 much more comfortable than they were, but it is something you just get used to. Yeah. Because I yeah, hate it at the beginning. Have and you got used to it at work now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we got when you have to test your face mask every beginning of every shift so you've got to put it on and like yeah the first time I ever did it I was just really claustrophobic because it takes up your whole face it's sucking onto your, your yeah, like, yeah. 
if I need to get this off quickly, can I get this off quickly? Kind of thing. And, uh, but you just get used to it. Are they easy to get off? Once, if you know Not that. the easiest thing in the world, <laughs> but yeah, no, they, they are. Because I... Yeah, in like a real job, because we have... You have to put your mask on, then you put like what's called a flash hood over the top of it, so that's another layer that hides all the kind Anything of things that you're get. tightening so they don't melt, and then you've got your helmet on top of that. So if you're in that situation, if you're panicking, trying to undo your helmet and you can't get that off, yeah, you're not going to get it off quickly. Wow. But you just... They are... The whole like uniform, the whole kit, it weighs quite a bit, right? 15 kilos. Just the... Just the... Uh, Tunic and leggings. Doesn't count with the gas. And That's another 15 kilos. Okay. So it's a lot of weight to be moving around day to day. Yeah. Yeah. How, how often um, How often would you be caught? I mean, it's probably various, an answer that varies, but how often would you get called out? Uh, most of the time, it's a couple of times a shift. Uh, not necessarily to anything all that serious, but... They had some really serious... Course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, some some not 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 pleasant things, but everyone's really good with it within the kind of network of it. Yeah, like is, things is are in there, place. Is there help and support for like the, like the trauma that you you could go through or see? Yeah, no, they they were they were really good with it. To be fair, because uh, you, you got your your watch, your team that you work with. So you work with the same kind of five six people every day. Eat your meals with them. You spend all day with them. So that that's a really close knit group. And because they know you're the new person, they ask. Like that wasn't that wasn't nice. How are you feeling about it? If, it's anyone you, if you ever want to talk about it, come get me, kind of thing. And I was like, oh, that's that's nice. They're doing that for the new person, but then they do it for everyone else. Yeah. Because I I knew someone in the ambulance service. They'd been to kind of seven or eight cardiac arrests in in a year or something. Fine, absolutely fine. But one after that completely broken really yeah just took a couple months off work couldn't couldn't deal with it because i guess it can take its toll right yeah and every, every situation is different but just because you've dealt with it before doesn't mean you can Get always it, deal yeah. with it in the same way yeah um so going through like all the uh the testing uh, you know all the the, t the tests uh, to become uh, a fireman did you were you kind of getting more into like yes this is what i really really want to do yeah, I, it's something that I'd, I'd applied for four or five times before. I applied when I first finished school to the uh, Berkshire Fire and Rescue Service. When I was switching around courses at university, I was applying in the West Midlands. And oh. I'd applied for London before, but I was outside there. Did, would they have known that you had applied? Like, does each, 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 nah, they're all completely separate. Okay. Uh, but yeah, each time I got a little bit further and a little bit further, and I was like, oh, maybe I could do this. But I was always under the impression that thousands of people apply for one space, you're never going to get it. Yeah. So I'd, I'd kind of resign myself to the fact that I wasn't going to get it. But So you're actively looking for other things in case... Well, I, I, was, I, I had to get another job in that time because... You, yeah, you have to, yeah. I needed something, so I was, I was a first aid trainer. So I, I, t I was pretty straight up with them at the beginning. I was like, look, I've been applying for this other job. I'm still going through the process, but I'm here. So they didn't, they didn't put me through any extra training and stuff, and I had to do all the crap jobs because <laughs> I knew I was leaving at some point. But yeah, so I was, I was just doing that, and I was like, oh, I could, I could, be, I could be a first day trainer if it really had to happen. What what um what changes it like? Obviously, the whole situation that the world's in at the moment. What what have you seen? How, how long how long have you been in the uh, fire force? 
only just just over two years. Okay, so you would have seen quite a lot of change from pre to now post, I'd assume. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> is my, is it, well, I don't know. Are, are, there th are things different, done differently? Not a huge amount. I mean, you got your masks, you got everything's clean. It, that, that whole protocol around that. You used to do that anyway. Yeah, I mean, we had to we had to clean clean our masks every shift anyway. We had to like there was a certain level because we're coming across dirty environments, so cleanliness was quite a big deal anyway. So on top of the masks and stuff, not a lot changed for us, which I was very thankful for at the beginning. I didn't really notice it was just less traffic going to work. That was the only change in my life. Yeah, I could, I could still we got the gym at work because it's part of our job. We've, yeah, we've got to train a certain amount of time. Each shift. You have to keep your fitness. Do you get tested annually or? So they've only just brought it in like a fitness test for people within the job already. Uh, they, were just in, they were just starting to test people last year when it all started, so then they had to cancel that because they couldn't bring everyone into a, 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 a single place and have everyone contaminating everyone. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's not as hard as I think it should be. But I mean, you speak to different people, and it's better than nothing. Because you do see a lot of people. Once they're in, they go and sit down, they eat loads of biscuits, and don't yeah. end up in a good place. What um, what, does, what would a typical day look like for you on shift? So day shift, you turn up. You have to go through roll call. So you're standing to attention. Do a oh, right. do a register. Make sure everyone's there. Make sure you've got all your gear. Uh, so most of the time, you'll turn up like 15, 20 minutes before your shift to make sure all your gear's there. Once Are you responsible for your gear? Or yeah, like you all have to times. wash it and stuff like that, or is it? Well, they they got they got like a launch service. You kind of send it off. So if it does get contaminated with some certain yeah anything that you come across, you just put it in a bag, send it off, and then you have to get your replacement gear that's in a like a, a locker. But yeah, it's your responsibility that you've got your gear and it's clean. Uh, so you do that. You get told what you're doing that day. So everyone's got their jobs, and then you have to go and test your mask, your set, make sure that. It's got enough air in it, all this kind of stuff. You have to go through these checks. Uh, and then like the, the whole week's broken down into like inventories and equipment checks. Because you, you can't check everything every day, so it's broken up to so different days you test different bits of kit. So you have to go through the truck, make sure everything that's supposed to be there is there. It's all got little numbers on, you have to check the numbers so you've got your one and not the Something one that's else. supposed to be at some other station because it all gets kind of lost in a job. So you do that, that's about the first two hours or so of the job. It's just testing equipment, getting stuff out, making sure it's there and working. Uh, and it, which is such an important role. Yeah, I mean, Part at the beginning role. I was like, oh, this seems a bit over the top. Like, we've either got it or we haven't. Like, what difference does it make? But everything's got a testing record. Anything that doesn't work when you need it to work is going to get checked. Whoever signed it off last is going to get in a lot of trouble. So they were like, you don't want to just sit there and sign it off. Because if that comes back to you and it's you've signed it off and you haven't actually looked at it, yeah. You're in a lot of trouble yeah, and, yeah. It, and it can get really serious. So I was like, okay, yeah. I'll make sure I do everything. But also like, you know, even the case of like being at a job and you're going to use that bit of kit and it not working. Mm. You, yeah, you've got to be put in that position. Completely scuppered. Uh, yeah, so we do that and then we have a stand easy, which is our kind of late morning meal. So someone will go up to cook that as we're kind of doing it. So we'll eat that. And then after that, you normally go and do kind of, they're called home fire safety visits. So you, someone will have called the fire brigade at some point or they've been pushed through us through other kind of social services saying this person's not in a great way. They need to have the flat looked at, their house looked at, make sure smoke alarms are fitted. And So you go in, 
test their smoke alarms with them, go in and you put some up, and you go through some kind of electrical safety, candle safety, all this kind of stuff, and making sure, oh, if there was a fire, do you know what you're doing? Kind of thing. Uh, so you do a couple of them. Uh, and then in the summer, we've got hydrant inspections. Okay. So you, you see a little FH, or you know the little yellow yeah. Hs. In, in four years, every single one of them in an area should be tested by the station. So you've got to go and turn it on, make sure water comes out of it, and turn it off, and go to the next one. So that's... I always wondered what they were. Yeah. Yeah, I never know. Really important. And then when you want to find them, you never find them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, we, then we do them, and then we go back, and then we'll go, normally go to the gym, that kind of time. Uh, what, what's, how long's the shift? So day shifts are 10 and a half hours, 9.30 to 8.00. And then night shifts are 13 and a half hours, 8 till 9.30. Do you prefer night or, or day? <sighs> Depends. Because night, night shift, you don't have as many of the kind of inventory stuff. But like sleep cycle and stuff. Yeah. But they, they're not necessarily as interesting and they can take ages and depends what, what you're doing, where you're going. Whereas day shift, they, they normally go quite quickly because you're... You're testing things, yeah. you're, you're doing drills, so you're throwing up a ladder in the training yard, sort of tying knots and stuff and running around, and they can go pretty quickly. Whereas a night shift that's long is long. There's, um, there's obviously a lot of kind of CrossFit elements that cross over into your job. Mm. Um, how have you found that, that, you know, in terms of physical fitness? I, it, it, it just kind of overlaps nicely. Kind of, I'm not, because the, the days gone by when you're kind of in the gym and you're like oh, I smash legs today can't walk for two days I can't do that anymore I've got to be able to kind of work optimally any day that I'm on on shift to kind of I mean it's not great on the hands admittedly but the kind of doing everything a lot of heart rate stuff which has helped me a lot it's just all relevant it's all grip strength it's moving stuff it's it's being in different positions that you're not necessarily planning on all the time yeah. kind of thing and it's, it's having that stable base to move because obviously CrossFit being massive in the US for public services um, hasn't I mean it's relatively big in the UK public services but maybe not as big as it should be no not as big as it should be I think, I think the fitness in general in the public services should be uh, Im- improved somewhat because my, wa- my wife's a police officer so oh, she, right. she tells me about the fitness test okay and she says, the bleep test you've got to get to is barely above a, a brisk walk. And, that's a and there's people failing it. And it's just like, you're supposed Confidence. to be able to like chase people down the street kind of thing. Like, obviously not all their jobs is, but... Yeah. It's, it's what you kind of expect from yeah. your public service. Well, people. I think it's like, you know, growing up, you know, you'd always think that like police officer would almost be, and the fireman would be ultimate fitness in some respect, wouldn't you? Yeah, and that, that's kind of what I was expecting getting into it, but then you get to the station, not everyone's in great shape yeah and you're like it's a bit of a disservice really like we're, we're provided with a gym we're paid to be there we're in charge of our own food like yeah. do it yeah and that, that's the, I think that's the training that should be going on in all the stations whereas most of the time you'll get you'll get some people that are properly into it but then you'll get a lot of people that are just into running or they're just into their strength training and it's just it's not it works for them, but it's not ideal, I wouldn't say. Yeah, just trying to raise that standard, or just having people physically capable in their jobs. Yeah, because, I mean, people have complained. So we have two, two fitness tests now, one of which is called the Chester Treadmill Test, which is 12 minutes, 
raise the incline. Raising the incline every, every two minutes, which isn't the hardest thing in the world. But they got that. For a lot of people, they would have gone to the gym and done incline running on the treadmills anyway. Yeah, that's a warm-up, yeah, like whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. And then if you fail that, then you have to do what's called the fire ground fitness test, which is full gear, carrying equipment, dragging dummies, which is completely different. So I have people, I've, I've trained with people that can smash the treadmill test. They can't complete the fire ground test because it's a... Very cardio-based. Yeah, and it, it's someone that weighs about 65 kilos or something. They can, they can walk up a treadmill. But when they have to drag a 70 kilo body, 50 meters, whatever it is, they really struggle. Yeah, see, a lot of like runners, and this is, I have to be a little bit considerate of how I say this. Um, there's nothing to take away their efforts of, of work or work rate, but they will often declare themselves as, as physically fit. Um, but they're not. They're just very good runners, yeah. aerobically fit. But there are a lot of other elements to fitness for ultimate fitness. So often we'll have people come in here and say, I'm fit, because I run. And I'm like, okay, that's your under- that's okay, but that's your understanding of fitness, but there is a lot more to fitness. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's something that kind of studying it and all that kind of stuff. You, yeah, I, I think you maybe, you know, a lot, the more that people get into different types of fitness will soon understand that there are different elements. It's not just running and it's not just weight training, mm. you know. And that was something I always kind of, I'd always say to myself in the gym, because I, I played sports, so when you're in the gym and you're there with the weightlifters who are all stronger than you, it's like, oh yeah, they're stronger, but I can run faster. And then you're out on the track doing sprints with the sprint team and they're all killing you. And it's like, yeah, but I'm probably stronger than they are. And it's it's just, that, just that gap, in, it's that little thing in the middle. Yeah, like it's just, just, I mean, but again, it's just what you want to do, isn't it? Like what, what your aims are and what, what your goals are. And if your goals are to be really good at running, yeah. more power to you, but it's not. Do, do you think uh, if you hadn't pursued a career in, in, uh, as a firefighter that you would use CrossFit as a method of training? I think so. Just because of the variety of it and it's what I enjoy. Yeah. I enjoy coming down a group of people doing the same thing, kind of, it pushes me and I, I like being pushed, but not necessarily externally. I'll push myself if what's around you and stuff too yeah but yeah if no one else is doing it around me I'm going home <laughs> but yeah I, I, I've always liked being part of a team I've never played individual sports I've always kind of liked that security I guess and I, I think it's the same with my fitness because I have no specific goals anymore this this is better because I'm, I'm learning new skills I'm not getting bored with the same program because yeah. if you're doing a training thing and you're doing yeah, you're changing the weight maybe a little bit every week, but you're still doing the same week over and over again, whereas every day is different, and I love it. Good. Um, how are you with uh, with managing, I mean, in your job role, managing time to training seems to be, because you've got days on and days off, right? Yeah, yeah, so two day shifts on, two night shifts on, four days off, so I'm first night tonight, so I worked the last two days. Enough for you to get enough training volume and... and Although you just said, you know, haven't got something specific, but I think for you it's more about, as you said, enjoyment and kind of moving, you know. Mm. Um, enough time in the week to get your sessions in. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm still kind of playing around with it because, I mean, same with at work, we go through phases of doing things on our day shifts and our night shifts and last couple of months we've really gotten into this, um, like, pretty much bodybuilding session, which is five sessions. So we try and fit our five sessions into our four shifts. So I'm doing that with them and then being like, oh, I want to go and do CrossFit, but everything hurts. <laughs> and I found, I think there was one week where I, I 
I think I went to the gym about 10 times in seven days. Wow. And I was just broken. Broken. Yeah. And I took four, four days off and I was like, I don't want to take four days off. But I know if I don't, I'm going to hurt myself. So I'm, I'm still working on a balance, uh, which is more me kind of fingers crossed that people at work kind of want to tone it down a bit so I can come to this more. But I guess, like, because there'll be people listening going, wow, that's, that's, that's a lot and that's a lot of volume. But, but equally, at the same time, you've been accustomed to that volume for the last, like, 15 years. So you've built that. You've not done that overnight. Yeah, and I, I will have, like, a two-hour nap in the middle of the day. I'm eating a ton of food. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm doing everything around it to kind of support, give that. myself the idea that I can do this. But, I mean, realistically, I don't. Yeah, it's not sustainable. No. Um, what are the uh, what are the plans for you for the next kind of three four months? One, one thing I actually do really I, I really like that you said is that you you don't have um, any specific goals. It's more of a case for you about happiness in just what you're doing and learning new things, which I think is so underrated. I know that we often talk about when I speak to people about having you know what their goal is or, or whatnot or setting goals, but actually like if you're in a position where everything else is ticked and you're just in the process of enjoying it, then then why not? There mm. doesn't have to be that external pressure. Yeah, and I, I, the way I'd always looked at goals beforehand was kind of like reaching numbers. Like, I, I, I do have goals and from the train sessions here, I, I want to get my double unders, I want yeah. to get my toast of art. It's the, the sk- I want to learn set. skills. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's all I'm looking at at the moment. The rest of it's just because you're not competing with other people, I'm pushing myself and we're not repeating the same workouts yet. That's something I'm looking forward to once I've been here long enough that I've done the same workout twice and it shows my score now to then. I think that will be a really, that would be hopefully good. a good moment. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it all goes to crap. Um, so so what, do, uh, what do the next few months look like? What's the, what, what are the plans for you in terms of your, your kind of fitness? Is there anything specifically that you're, is it, you know, that you're wanting to get out of training? What does it look like? I mean, nothing. I, learning the skills, getting better at the skills. And then I just, I, I, love, I love my barbell stuff still. Like, Which is good because they've just can't, the barbell's just been put back in the cycle, yeah. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily the benching because of my shoulder, but. <laughs> and, and any kind of Olympic lifting, I love it still. And I. Big fan of it. I want to get better at it. Yeah. Well, it's just, that's what I turned to after the injury because I wasn't hitting the same like squat numbers and stuff. I could improve my technique without having to improve my strength because my technique was holding me back so much more than my strength was yeah that my strength had come down but if my technique goes up i'd still be lifting bigger numbers a lot of people don't realize that they're like and i've tried to i've i think i put this recently in the newsletter that, that we sent out that you can only get as strong as you move um and if and what i mean by that is that if your technique is not very good and not sufficient then you're not going to be able to get as strong as you're physically physically capable of being mm. um but a lot of us sacrifice that for strength yeah, and ask why can't they get stronger, and that's the reason. And that's one of the things I'd, I'd love to tell my like eighteen-year-old self. Yeah, a hundred percent. Don't chase numbers, chase movement. Yeah. Get yourself because I, I had to like completely relearn how to squat, completely learn how to deadlift again because I was Which just like I was doing everything wrong. Yeah, and, and, it, and it is boring in some degree because you're not getting the what you're used to result-wise of of before. Um, but it's a it's a game of patience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you end up pushing yourself, but then you'll have to take two weeks off because you've hurt yourself and yeah. then you lose it all and you're like oh I'm not going to start all over again it's like well if you start properly again right at the beginning basic you start positioning properly at any time but you just need to do it you know pro- one, properly once and then you're set mm. and that, that, that again something I'm really enjoying not playing any contact sports having those niggling injuries having a bad wrist a bad ankle a bad knee that stops you from being able to do anything Yeah. so actually seeing what I can get 
out of these CrossFit sessions is something I'm looking forward to in general without having any specific targets. Perfect. We are out of time. Um, Sam, thank you very much for your time today. Pleasure. Um, guys, join us next week for episode 63.